there's no doubt that within the occupied territories, Palestinian land, that there is a horrendous example of apartheid. The uh, occupation of Palestinian land, the confiscation of that land that doesn't belong to Israel, the building of settlements on it, the colonization of that land, and then the connection of those isolated but multiple settlements, more than 200 of them, with each other by highways, on which Palestinians can't travel, and quite often where Palestinians cannot even cross. <clears throat> so the persecution of the Palestinians now under the occupying territories is under the occupation forces is one of the worst examples of human rights deprivation that I know. Well, those were the words of Jimmy Carter, the former president of the United States. Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. This is John Billington with you this week. Well, as Jimmy Carter talks about human rights deep, uh, deprivation, as he says, because someone can't cross a highway, a family of five was murdered last night by a terrorist in the settlement of Itamar. Well, it is that time of the year again. It is the season for all the Israel haters like Jimmy Carter to come out and to spread lies and propaganda. It used to be known as Israel Apartheid Week. Now you can welcome Israel Apartheid Month. Due to the past successes of the campaign, it has been lengthened. Well, certainly, if you want to walk through, uh, if you walk through many of the North American campuses this month, you will be led to believe that Israel is a brutally oppressive regime, worthy of global boycotts and sanctions. Last week, makeshift apartheid walls dotted UCLA and the Brooklyn College. While at Columbia University, students impersonated Israeli soldiers stopping Palestinians at checkpoints. Should you look at the website apartheidweek.org, this is what they will tell you. Israel Apartheid Week, IAW, is an annual international series of events held in cities and campuses across the globe. The aim of IAW is to educate people about the nature of Israel as an apartheid system and to build boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaigns as part of the growing global BDS movement, uh, BDS being Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions, the, that movement. Last year, Israel Apartheid Week took place in more than 40 cities across the globe. Israel Apartheid Week 2011 takes place following two years of incredible successes for boycott, divestment, and sanctions uh, on, global, on the global level. Lectures, films, and actions will highlight some of these successes along with the many injustices that continue to make BDS so crucial in the battle to end Israel apartheid. Speakers and full program for each city will be available soon. Join us in making 2011 a year of struggle against apartheid for justice, equality, and peace. Well, whatever you think of the whole thing, the idea behind these events is to try and show that Israel today is like South Africa prior to 1993. And as far as South Africa was concerned, with enough international pressure uh, that was brought upon it, it brought an end to, the, to it as it was, the, the apartheid. The truth is, however, that Israel is so far from what South Africa was, nothing could be more laughable or far from the truth. And we're going to take a few minutes to consider uh, it on that basis, on a completely secular level, we're going to look at it. The United Nations defines apartheid as inhuman acts committed for the purpose of establishing and maintaining domination by one racial group of persons over any other racial group of persons and systematically oppressing them. This is exactly what was happening in South Africa. 
incidentally, in South Africa, uh, if you were black, you couldn't go to a white hospital, and there was complete segregation even down to the beaches, etc. It was, it was complete segregation. In Israel, however, consider the following. There are currently 14 Arab and Druze members of Israel's parliament elected to represent their own constituency in all parts of the country. Arabs have routinely serviced, uh, serviced, routinely served at the highest level uh, an echelon of civil, legislative, and judicial authorities, filling positions such as Minister, Deputy Speaker of the Knesset, Ambassador, and Supreme Court Justice. Within the Israel Defense Forces, Bedouin Arabs play key roles, often serving as trackers as part of the Desert Reconnaissance Brigade. Arab citizens enjoy full and equal voting rights, women as well as men, something that you will not find in the other Middle East countries. Laws of compulsory education apply equally to Arab and Jews, and universities are open equally to all citizens. Arabs can be found in every sector of the economy, working alongside their Jewish colleagues as doctors, professors, filmmakers, high-tech executives, lawyers, etc., etc., and with membership into labor unions taken for granted. There are no legal restrictions as to where Arabs may live, and neither religion or ethnicity may be applied as a basis for denying the purchase of land. Now, that's what people say. But the truth is, that applies to the Arabs. The fact is that Jews are not allowed to purchase land wherever they want, and on top of that, even when they have purchased land, there are cases where they are stopped from building on it. What you actually see is that Jews are discriminated against in their own land. And as far as the racist state, Mahmoud Abbas, chairman of the Palestinian Authority, has said the following, I will never allow a single Israeli to live among us on Palestinian land. What he wants is the same as what Hitler wanted, a Jew-free country. So how ridiculous is it to now talk about Israel being apartheid? If anything, it's the op opposite way around. The Arabs want nothing to do with the Jews. And people still continually uh, dredge this up. And I think um, the thought is that if you say it enough, um, people will believe it. But you, you may ask also about the Arabs in Gaza and the West Bank. Well, about 97% live under the autonomous administrations of the PA, the Palestinian Authority, and Hamas that, that they elected. So no, they don't have the privilege of voting in Israeli elections, nor the automatic right to live and work in Israel proper, but they are not Israeli citizens. As far as them being downtrodden people, they are only kept that way as to be political pawns. It might sound bizarre, but it's true. Since the birth of Israel, the state has handled the influx of millions of Jews. But the Arab world will barely let one Arab out of the West Bank. Why? To ensure the pressure stays on Israel. As long as there's refugees, we have a refugee problem and we can point the finger at Israel. It's a sad situation, but to blame it on Israel is just plain politics. Well, there are many things that people throw out there. And one of the other ones that's, that's used against Israel is the law of return. What about this law of return? It's another dart thrown at the Jewish state, for being just that, a Jewish state, with a law that entitles Jews and their families to become Israeli citizens whenever and wherever they are from in the world. Dr. 
Duad Abdullah from the Palestinian Return Center had this to say, Of all the discriminatory laws and practices of Zionism, none can match the Israeli law of return for its inequity. This law, which was enacted on July 5, 1950, affords to every member of the Jewish people born anywhere in the world the right to immigrate to Israel and become a citizen upon arrival. At the same time, it denies this right to Palestinian Muslims and Christians who were born in Palestine and expelled during the successive wars of occupation. Well, after the Holocaust, when the entire world turned their back on the Jews, in the words of Chaim Weizmann, the world seemed to be divided into two parts, those places where the Jew could not live and those where they could not enter. And this even includes Canada, where we were the latter. As one Canadian official said at the time of Jewish immigrants, none is too many. With this as the backdrop, the law of return was born. The Jew could not trust other nations to come to its aid. Under the British mandate, the Arabs had their state, Transjordan, and the Jews had theirs. So incidentally, as an aside, when people talk about a two-state solution, there has already been a two-state solution, and the Arabs were given Jordan, uh, given Transjordan, which today is just Jordan, and the Jews were given Israel. Or at least that's the way it was allotted. Um, they were given Palestine, the land west of the Jordan River. So yes, including the West Bank of today, but um, under the final UN partition, the Jewish state was much smaller than originally planned by the British. It was to be a national home for the Jewish people. The list of slander is long, and the reality is the state of Israel as it exists today is not perfect, I'm sure. But there is absolutely no relation to the apartheid in South Africa. The truth is there is a real hatred for the Jewish people, and it is an age-old problem. And as I said, when you throw enough mud, some will stick. Today they call it anti-Zionism. Anti-Semitism is just not cool, and being an anti-Semite gets you into trouble. So we've come up with anti-Zionism. Well, call it what you want, but there is an anti-Israel culture that is building in the world, and with that comes much of the classic anti-Semitism that would have made Hitler proud. For example, there is a new video circulating on the internet and gaining popularity called The American Dream. It was premiered last year at Freedom Fest in July. It is an animated video of about 30 minutes long and carries the same old message. The banks are bad and under the control of, wait for it, the Jew. The big old bad Jew is controlling the banking world and they are the problem for the American collapse. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion in a new wrapper. The word Jew is never actually used in the video, but Rothschild does slip out. But the main villain in that video, who is looking for world domination and shown to be an octopus with great uh, tentacles extended, is the Red Shield, which when you look it up is just the English translation of Rothschild, a nice taste of thinly veiled anti-Semitism. Well, right now, in the light of Israel Apartheid Week activities, I think it is fitting to listen to the following speech by Hillel Neurer at the UN Human Rights Council in uh, 2007. It's old, but it is one of the best speeches out there today in standing up to the bias, the lies, and the hypocrisy that is continuing to come at Israel. Please enjoy. I now give the floor to a representative of United Nations Watch. Thank you, Mr. President. <laughs> Six decades ago, in the aftermath of the Nazi horrors, Eleanor Roosevelt, René Cassin, and other eminent figures 
gathered here on the banks of Lake Geneva to reaffirm the principle of human dignity. They created the Commission on Human Rights. Today we ask, what has become of this noble dream? In this session, we see the answer. Faced with compelling reports from around the world of torture, persecution, and violence against women, what has this council pronounced? What has it decided? Nothing. Its response has been silence. Its response has been indifference. Its response has been criminal. One might say, in Harry Truman's words, that this has become a do-nothing, good-for-nothing council. But that would be inaccurate. This council has, after all, done something. It has enacted one resolution after another, condemning one single state, Israel. In eight pronouncements, and there will be three more this session, Hamas and Hezbollah have been granted impunity. The entire rest of the world, millions upon millions of victims in 191 countries, continue to go ignored. So yes, this council has done something. And the Middle East dictators who orchestrate this campaign will tell you it is a very good thing, and that they seek to protect human rights. Palestinian rights. So too the racist murderers of Darfur women, the rapists of Darfur women, tell us they care about the rights of Palestinian women. The occupiers of Tibet care about the occupied. And the butchers of Muslims in Chechnya care about Muslims. But do these self-proclaimed defenders truly care about Palestinian rights? Let us consider the past few months. More than 130 Palestinians were killed by Palestinian forces. This is three times the combined total that were the pretext for calling special sessions in July and November. Yet the champions of Palestinian rights, Ahmadinejad, Assad, Gaddafi, John Dugard, say nothing. Little three-year-old boy Salam Balusha and his two brothers were murdered in their car by Prime Minister Haniyeh's troops. Why has this council chosen silence? Because, because Israel could not be blamed. Because, in truth, the despots who run this council couldn't care less about Palestinians or about any human rights. They seek to demonize Israeli democracy, to delegitimize the Jewish state, to scapegoat the Jewish people. They also seek something else, to distort and pervert the very language and idea of human rights. You ask, what has become of the Founders' dream, of Eleanor Roosevelt, of René Cassin, of John Humphrey, P.C. Chang, Charles Malik, who assembled here in Geneva 60 years ago. Mr. President, with terrible lies and moral inversion, this council is turning that dream into a nightmare. Thank you, Mr. President. For, primera vez... for the first time, in the session, I will not express thanks for that statement. I shall point out to the distinguished representative of the organization that just spoke, the distinguished representative of United Nations Watch. If you'd kind of listen to me, I am sorry that I'm not in a position to thank you for your statement. I should mention that I will not tolerate any similar statements in the council. The way in which members of this council were referred to, and indeed the way in which the council itself was referred to, all of this is inadmissible in the memory of the persons that you 
referred to founders of the Human Rights Commission and for the good of human rights, I would urge you in any future statements to observe some minimum uh, proper conduct and language. Otherwise, we'll, any statements you make in similar tones to those used today will be taken out of the records. Unbelievable. Unbelievable words, I'm sure you will agree. However, it's also important to realize that this time of the year, or maybe to enjoy the fact that it is uh, Purim. It's the time when the Jewish people celebrate Purim. A time to celebrate the victory over Haman in the book of Esther, another famous anti-Semite. The hatred of the Jew is nothing new, and until now we have looked at this from a secular point of view. The truth, however, is that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men, and he has brought the Jewish nation back from 2,000 years of dispersion in fulfillment of many prophecies. However, consider the following words from Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Ye shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. The Jews have been brought back to the land for a purpose, and God is going to do great things with the people again. His people. In the prophecy uh, of the time, uh, a prophecy of the time of the end, Ezekiel 38, and Dave spoke about this last week, we have a picture of Russia in alliance with Germany and Europe coming down against my people Israel. The vicious anti-Semitism that gripped Europe in the 40s will again take hold with the result of those nations invading Israel, knowing this, that we can expect uh, a rise in anti-Semitism, and in fact, we are seeing it. In today's world, the Bible is hated. The people of the book, the Jews, and any that truly follow that book in the, uh, are hated also. In the title of a previous uh, Bible magazine, it is War on the Book and Its People. That magazine can be found under the archives page, volume 20, issue number 2. And I highly recommend reading this article on this topic. Uh, it will help you to clearly see what is happening and where this is leading us to. With all this going on, um, I felt that it was uh, maybe fitting to leave you with a song that was created about a year ago. And this was after the flotilla incident when the so-called love boat the Mavi Marmera was boarded by Israeli troops after breaking the naval blockade on Gaza. It was supposed to be peace activists, but when the soldiers came aboard, they were stabbed and beaten with metal rods. Things got ugly, and Israel was blamed. Again. The song was done as a satire from Latma TV. And as for Bible in the News, we thank, thank you for listening, and uh, hope you'll join us again next week at www dot bible in the news dot com
When we need to make a show for the world, the web and CNN. There's no people dying, so the best that we can do is create the greatest bluff of all. We must go on, pretending day by day that in Gaza there's crisis, hunger, and plague. Some cheese and missiles for the kids. We'll make the world a band of reason. We'll make them all believe that the Hamas is Mama Teresa. We are peaceful travelers with guns and our own knives. The truth will never find its way to your living.